Hey, it looks like we are recording. Good afternoon, everybody. I've got a special guest today on the Durham Difference. I'd like to welcome Raquela Trusso to the show. Raquela, how are you doing? Pretty good. Today. How are you? Hey, we got a little bit of echo there, huh? A lot of it. Interesting. We're trying to do this in the same office, looking at each other and to do a podcast. Oh, what is this? Oh, I got a package. Very cool. Um, oh, we... are, are you still there? I'm still here, but I don't hear an echo now. So I think I just needed to go away from you. Okay, great. You kind of sound like you're in a toilet. Do I sound like I'm in a toilet? In a toilet? Yeah. Do you usually hang out in toilets? Um, sometimes if it's Bloody Mary Bar Wednesday, that's been established. <laughs> hey, anyway, guys, um, before we get started, I'd just like to remind you that my business is based on referrals from great clients, friends, and people like you. So before we get started, who do you know that needs to buy or sell a home now or in the near future? If you can think of anyone from your office, neighborhood, family, church, Boy Scout troop, motorcycle club, whatever you got, I appreciate your help, and if anyone should come to mind, please don't hesitate to call me. Thank you so much. Uh, today, welcome to episode three. I think the working title for this is Realtors Are Useless Human Garbage. I'm not <laughs> sure what the real title will be after we're done with this, but I was inspired to talk about this after uh, a Facebook post that I read last week during Snowpocalypse, where a local realtor had posted a cute little uh, for sale by owner meme on a local hit page. And then people just started attacking him. And I screenshotted some of the more interesting responses and then I deleted them because memory is precious to me on my phone. But one of the folks was talking about um, why do we allow realtors to exist? What purpose do they even serve in this day and age? And why is this an industry that does not face disruption and people trying to provide better service and lower fees and all that good stuff. And they kind of thought that we're immune from all that. So I thought maybe that would be a fun topic to talk about. Raquel, what do you think about that? You good with it? I'm into it. This is a subject that it? I can fully get behind. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's near and dear to my heart too, is this is how we make a living. And, and you know that, but it's a great question in this day and age with technology at our fingertips all these websites that are out there. Why does somebody need to pay an intermediary, you know, between three and 6% to help them sell something? I mean, we got Craigslist, right? You sell stuff on that all day long. <laughs> um, well, how often do you run across something on Craigslist that you really, really want and it goes super smoothly and the person on the other side isn't a complete creeper? Uh, never. Okay. Never. And I actually, I, I used to Craigslist a lot of stuff. Guitars, mostly. Um, sometimes human trafficking, but that's another story. So um, you were the creeper yeah, in this scenario. The, <laughs> the last time I tried to sell something on Craigslist, it was a Gibson Firebird 5. It's a guitar. Very cool guitar. And I, for some reason, decided I no longer needed this particular guitar. I threw it up on Craigslist for like a thousand bucks. I think I had $1,400 in it. And I made the mistake of not telling these people, you know, by God, just come down the road, meet me at Publix. 
So I drove and met this idiot on the other side of Nashville, like Metro Center, and met him at his office. And we'd already agreed upon the price, and he got there, and he's like, "Okay, I've got nine hundred dollars." I'm like, "Cool, we set a thousand, So I start putting the the guitar back in my trunk, and he's like, "Hold on, you know, my I'm buying this for my dad. Don't you want my dad to have a a, a cool guitar?" I was like, "Dude, I don't know your dad. I don't really care what kind of guitar he's got." Um, and just you know, I'm clasping it up, shutting my trunk door, and miraculously he starts pulling more money out of his pocket. Oh, surprise, so like, surprise. Yeah, yeah, right. So now he's up to nine fifty. I'm like, no, nah, still it's thousand dollars, dude. Um, we went back and forth, and I swear to God, he pulled the last ten dollars out of his sock. <laughs> and he said, "Are you really going to take my last ten dollars?" It's like, yeah, absolutely. Even it's in your sock. And so I, I took the money and sold him the guitar. But that was the last time that I used Craigslist, and I think that's a great example of people are a pain in the ass really agreed um and trying to sell things face to face individually you know private citizen private citizen i me personally i'm not going to do it anymore so the next time i go to sell a guitar or some of my other high price collectibles i'm going to use an intermediary that is good at that kind of thing and they're going to save me the stress and aggravation of dealing with the tire kickers and the people like that. And I bet they will earn every penny of whatever commission that they get because they have to deal with the general public and make sure that that transaction runs smoothly. Absolutely. They will. Um, But again, it is a great question. Why, what does a realtor do to add value? Um, Friend of mine, that's an attorney in Lebanon, the title attorney, we talked about for sale by owners and private sales one time. And he said, you know, it works great if both parties are grownups, <laughs> meaning they're mature human beings. And those times where it can, you know, both sides are on the same page, it can go smooth. Mm-hmm. But in our experience, that's usually not the case, typically. Well, no. And especially with something like real estate, you have to think about it. If something, if somebody's going to haggle over the price of anything, like a pair of fingernail clippers at the flea market, like they're obviously going to haggle over the price of honestly what ends up being most people's biggest investment that they ever make, and probably right up until the end. Wonder what the going price of a pair of fingernail clippers at the flea market is these days. Um a dollar fifty is my guess. Really? I can get them at Walmart for ninety-seven cents all day long. See, and I bet somebody would say that at the flea market. Yeah, they probably pay a dollar fifty because you know they're not shopping. Um <laughs> but you know, I, I think another thing out of that Facebook post that really caught my my eye was the whole we don't have anybody trying to make us better, leaner, meaner. And we both know, obviously, that's Ooh, not true. Definitely um, not. There's so many companies right now trying to disrupt real estate. And they want, they want that commission money for themselves and their investors. So you've got companies like Zillow and Opendoor and Redfin. And there's a ton of pressure in this industry right now from a lot of people that are trying to do it different and streamline it. And you could argue depersonalize it 
And that, I like that competition. I don't know how you feel about it, but we, I mean, I think every industry needs that. And when I got into real estate, I knew that like anything, this job could go away someday. Somebody may invent an app tomorrow that totally based off AI, maybe you don't need a human being. I doubt it. I don't think it's possible, but there are always going to be people trying to disrupt it and do it different. So we've got to do it different. We've got to do it better. And we've got to push ourselves to add that value and do the things that set us apart from those big corporations and from the apps and the websites of the world that are trying to just compete on price or simplicity. And we live in a world now where you can order anything off Amazon and have it in some days, same day. So for a Mr. Facebook guy, there's a lot of people trying to disrupt us. So you are mistaken there, sir. What were some of the other um, objections that people threw up on there? One guy was pretty funny. He said, real estate agents are like the IRS, but with better hair and nicer smiles. <laughs> like, well, you've obviously never seen me, sir. But how they just, again, they come in and they just take money for, uh, you know, showing up to the party. They have this concept that it's like HGTV. You go show three, hey, pick out your favorite, and uh, we're off to the races. I mean, that would be great if it were, but... I can't remember the last transaction that I had that went without a hitch and I just showed up, we bought it and I skipped my merry little way to the closing table. Do you remember the last time you had one like that? Um, it's pretty rare. I might have two or three of those a year where it just, it looks incredibly easy and my seller thinks, wow, I mean, I could have done this myself because <laughs> it went so smooth but typically it's the opposite of that. And I'll, I'll share a story. If you want to share a story, we could both talk about this, but I kind of sketched out some that, uh, where the Durham difference came into play. Ha ha, work that in there. Um, but where I really earned my commission on that. Um, and it was one that I didn't, I had a friend of mine. I may have told this on the first podcast, but I had a buddy of mine that was looking to buy a house when I first got started. I'd been licensed less than a year. And we went out and looked at properties all over hell and creation. And we wrote an offer on one. He called me the next morning. He's like, oh, my God, I, I don't know what I was doing. I, don't, I can't buy this house. I, and, you know, I got him out of the deal. I was like, hey, buddy, we're doing legally binding contracts here. So, you know, let's, let's not do this again. But when we were looking at some new construction, he had got a number off a sign for a builder and we went out looking Saturday. Well, he called that builder Sunday and said, Hey man, I'd like to buy one of these houses you've got for sale. Hmm. And yeah. <laughs> and the builder's like, you don't need an agent. I'll, I'll take care of you. He's like, I'm not paying an agent 3%. You don't need anybody to represent you. I've got the contracts. And he called me and he said, Hey man, I, I called the builder and he's going to sell me this new house that he's working on and he said i didn't need an agent and he's not going to pay an agent anyway and i said and i again yeah, i'm maybe six months in the business and didn't really know how to respond to that mm -hmm. like i wouldn't i was like well man i told you i don't i don't care about your money i just care about you getting a great place and being happy so if you don't need me i'm happy for you um I was like, you're unrepresented. So if something goes south, you're on your own. I'll have to hash it out or whatever. But 
Sure. Okay. You know, congratulations. So fast forward, maybe a month and a half. He called me about three days before. And I, I set him up with the, his lender. I said, you need to call this guy. He's great. And the lender called me. He's like, you're not working with him anymore. It's like, he's dealing directly with the builder. And he's like, Oh no. <laughs> it's like, I, I, you know, Hey, um, shout out to Rory next door. Um, so my friend called me about three days before closing and he was panicked. I guess he'd done some change order requests. They'd not fixed a broken door yet. They'd not installed some stuff they're supposed to do. All these things were not done. And he kept asking the builder about it. Finally, the builder snapped on him and said, look, dude, buy the house or don't. I don't care. I'm not doing any of this crap now because you made me mad. And he called me and he's like, what do I do? <laughs> and the lender called me and he's like, man, I don't think we can even close on this because we don't have, I think it was a occupancy certificate they were waiting on. He's like, the house is not done. We cannot close on this house. And uh, I said, well, man, I, you know, I, you're not my client but let me see if I can help you. And I had to go in there and do some things, make some phone calls, give them some advice. And without going into the ugly details of it, I made sure that that deal got closed. He got funded and was able to move in and everything was done. But that's a great example where he didn't need an agent until three days before closing. And all of a sudden, he needed somebody to go to bat for him mm -hmm. and solve the problems and fix the mistakes and make it happen. Yeah. So you, you got a story you want to match me on that one? I mean, I've got a story. <laughs> Ooh, it's a really long story. I don't know if I'd want to go fully into it, but do you remember it was last year when I had that, lovely client where we went under contract um we had her house to sell and we wanted to find her a new one and we went under contract on this house um in Murfreesboro and um it was where the the listing agent was related to the sellers and um let's just say that that went south really fast for a lot of yeah. different various reasons. Um, from the inspection to the, like everything just kind of fell apart on that one. And um, had I not kind of stepped in and tried to smooth things over between her and the inspection company, there would have been a pretty substantial lawsuit on hand as well. Like things went bad, bad. Anyhow, so we went to the next one. We ended up finding her another house. And um, and there was a lot of, <laughs> there was a lot of stuff that we ended up finding on that inspection as well. And just through the listing agent and myself communicating and negotiating and finding decent and reasonable tradespeople to get things done on time. We ended up getting everybody to the closing table, but it was the hardest, the hardest deal I've ever worked to this day. And yeah, it's a, it, it's not a cakewalk. I remember that deal because mm -hmm. you call me about every day with some new, <laughs> just insane obstacles sure. and we would talk through it and kind of 
get a plan of action on that. Yeah, well, and they, they kept on And that was a to, tough one. It was really hard, and they kept on trying to tell my client that there was nothing wrong with the house. No, there's nothing wrong with the house. Yeah. It's great. Uh, my client would never withhold information. They would absolutely tell us everything that was wrong with it. Well, it turns out that there was about 20 grand of work that really desperately needed to happen. This wasn't like a, it needs a new coat of paint. It was, there was substantial issues with the plumbing. There was all the air ducts ended up having to be reworked in the crawl space, you know? And so there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that an agent is there to do so that the client doesn't have to and ends up in a house that they can actually breathe in because we found out with that house the reason why the air ducts had to be reworked was um it was installed improperly and so the filter was on wrong <laughs> Um, there were holes in different spots of the ductwork, and so all of the construction dust from the rest of the neighborhood was pouring into the house. And there were really high levels of pollutants. There was really high levels of like all sorts of crazy stuff in that house where my client literally couldn't breathe. And then we you had the other levels, side. High levels of pollutants. No, so much, so I didn't say. I said no. pollutants. Um, and like just a lot of crazy stuff going on in there. I, I'd have to pull up the report again, but, um, but again, the, every, the other side kept on telling my client that, you know, nothing was wrong and they'd say, oh, she's just overreacting. Oh, this is my clients never had an issue in this house. But hey, let's, let's bring you back off that for a second. And okay. I know you spent months working with them and you're mm -hmm. like me in the fact that you know when you buy or sell a house that's the most stressful time of your life typically as a person and as yep. a buyer or seller you carry that weight well we carry mm -hmm. that weight with them i, I don't know if yes. everybody does that but i know you and i do so we're one oh, big person may go through that stress once every three to seven years on average we go through that mm -hmm. stress two to five times a month so right. we're always carrying the, the same stress that the our clients carrying and we're mm -hmm. you know invested in it because we want to see them succeed so yeah. when people talk about realtor commissions and oh man they make too much money because you know you probably made i don't know you might have made 10 grand off that deal seven grand before splits and taxes who knows mm -hmm. and of course that goes pretty quick when we start breaking down the numbers um you don't get to keep nearly as much of that as people think but let's God, say, no. <laughs> imagine if we lived in a world where somebody was like, you know what, realtors should make a flat $1,000 per house. So mm -hmm. you think about, and I, when I track this, I probably spend a minimum of 80 hours easy on any given transaction that I do. So imagine you do all that work, you make $1,000, you give 20% mm -hmm. of that to government, so you made $800. Mm -hmm. So... That would be about four hundred dollars a week, um, if it, you know if you took your eighty hours and broke it down into a forty-hour work week, and we work way more than forty hours. And those numbers don't make sense to me no. as a business person. And again, somebody would say, "Well, that's you know tough luck, buddy." But that's you know I think that's to me that kind of justifies why we get paid what we do. We get paid exactly what we're worth, in the sense that. Mm -hmm. If you were making a thousand dollars a house, you'd have to go through that forty-one times a year 
to make forty grand, forty one thousand dollars before taxes. And I'm telling you, there's a lot easier ways to go out and make forty grand a year than carrying that stress of forty people buying or selling a house in a year. I mean, well, it's, and it's a let's, Yeah. Well, and let's kind of piggyback off of that as well, because I think, you know, I I went to a listing presentation last week and I was chatting with this lady who, you know, she wanted to know what the commission split on this house was going to be. And it was a it was a six hundred and fifty thousand dollar house. So it was not going to be a tiny commission that she was going to have to pay out for the listing and the and the selling side. Right. Uh huh. And so, of course, there's always that sticker shock when people see that number. But I think that people really don't understand what all goes into that. And so once I was able to sit down with her and kind of break down where all of that money actually goes to, (laughs) at the end of it, she was like, oh, my gosh, I just can't believe that that all comes out of your commission. And now I don't, again, like, I'm not going to say that every agent does it the same way. I know that I'm a little extra with, with what I put into. Um, but, but really at the end of the day, after you do your taxes and your broker split and, you know, we're paying for our license, we're paying for photos, our marketing, any of the marketing material, open houses, like there really is a whole lot that goes into what we put into this listing that comes out of our commission. It's not just like we're walking away with this huge check and that's it. We keep all of it. Oh yeah. I mean, when you break down what we do on a listing, you know, we, we do a needs analysis. <laughs> we're going to clarify mm-hmm. why you're selling, what's your motivations. We're going to help you with your mm-hmm. timetable. So we're, we're helping structure the timeline and giving you a game plan of what piece moves when. Pricing strategy is another thing that's huge that, again, people can go to Zillow and get his estimate. And I know several (laughs) buyers and sellers are sharp enough to pull tax records, but we have access to the best info on on current marketing conditions. We do this every day. Uh, You know, we probably, between you and me, we might talk to 10, 15 agents a day. So we know exactly what the market was doing yesterday, what it's doing today, what it's doing tomorrow, the off-market stuff, the stuff on the MLS. So, you know, if you want the best pricing, you're going to get an agent to help you with that. And you talked about the photos, and I know it's a seller's market. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I, you could probably go stick a sign in your yard tomorrow, unless you're on Smith mm-hmm. Drive, and uh, that guy. <laughs> And, and sell your house without doing a bunch of stuff because, I mean, it's crazy. There's so many gosh darn buyers out there that mm-hmm. you can get it done probably without being extra. But, like, I'm a big believer in professional photos, as I know yeah. you are, too. And you mm-hmm. see so many listings where the photos are just complete garbage. And they were taken oh, yeah. with, like, the seller used their iPhone or the agent used their iPhone and they're dark and everything looks really small because most camera lenses are not equipped to take a picture of a room. They're designed to take pictures of people. So they do these crappy photos and then wonder why they don't have as many showings or as many offers. And a lot of times the photos are going to be that decision maker where people say, I don't want to go see this house because these photos make Mm -hmm. it look like this. 
and they're going to miss out on a house that is perfect for them, but they're going to base yeah. it off some shitty internet photos. I don't know if I can say that mm-hmm. on this podcast, um, but I just did. <laughs> so I, You told me I couldn't curse. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that. Um, this is definitely not our, our conversations would normally be a lot more colorful at this point in. <laughs> um, but like, you know, I pay... I pay my guy $500 um, for photos and video and he's worth every penny. This dude has a degree in architectural photography. He's got about $30,000 worth of gear that he brings to my listings. So he's, I mean, he spent a ton of time and money. And so people would say, well, man, I could go so-and-so give me photos for 50 bucks. Yeah. And they're terrible. You know, like that, you know, it's like your dog took them. Yes. You and I looked at some of those the other day. Um, so and that but that's another thing that that guy in that position he gets paid exactly what he's worth and my non-real estate friends real estate for anybody that's listening to this whatever job you've got you're gonna get paid exactly what you're worth and if you're not go find that job where you will get paid what you're worth um mm-hmm. you know and when i was at walmart and cart pusher might make 15 dollars an hour uh, if they were lucky um and that's kind of what you, that's what it was worth to have somebody push your carts. You know, if you wanted to go make $20 an hour, you need to go be a department manager. If you wanted to go make mm-hmm. 60 grand a year, go be an assistant. Um, you're not going to make more money doing the same job just because you need more, you want more. If people well, I've asked for a raise six times this year and been denied every time. <laughs> well, you need to work on your job. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of the other things that we do for our sellers you know, in this market, I think it's key. It's not uncommon right now when we list a home to get eight, 10, 20 offers, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're not in the business, do you really know which offer is the best offer? Do you take the one that's the highest price? Oh, are you asking me? Yeah, yeah. No, no, because sometimes the highest price doesn't mean the best offer. A lot of times it doesn't. That's exactly right. Um, So if you don't have an understanding of what the contingencies are on that, the different types of financing, you know, that's, again, you can stick a sign in the yard and say, I'm not going to pay real to do this. And you've spent all this time scheduling all these showings, letting people in your house, locking it up, whatever. And then you get hit with all these offers and everybody's going to tell you, Oh, our offer is the best. Oh, Mm -hmm. and it, I mean, it takes some experience and some familiarity to know which one's actually the best offer. Sure. Well, and again, in this seller's market that we're in, which I, I think people forget when we've been in it for a while that it's not always going to be like this. We'll get to that later. But when you're getting all of those multiple offers, how many phone calls roughly do you think you receive just from just, just to get to that step? How many phone calls do you think you receive on those? I mean, it's going to be anywhere from a few dozen to well over a hundred. Yeah that's like a full-time job right there too. Like, so you're juggling all of your other things and trying to make sure that you take all of those phone calls. So you can make sure that you are showing your client's house to as many people as possible. So you get them the highest and best offer. You know, that cracks a lot of work. Usually when I list something, 
I kind of plan for that next morning. Like I'll have it go live towards the end of the evening. So it shows up first thing in the morning when the agents pull hot sheets. I try to mm-hmm. plan that up until 11 or 12 o'clock that next day, not to have anything to do except sit there by the phone and take calls because mm-hmm. it's going to blow <laughs> up. And if yep. I'm trying to do anything else, I'm, I'm not going to be able to take those calls. And tell me if I'm wrong. How many times have you called a for sale by owner and you can't get them to answer the phone? I'm going to say nine times out of 10. It's always you text them. They don't text back. They don't answer. You leave them a voicemail. They don't call you back. And, you know, it's probably because they're working a damn 40, 45 hour a week job like normal people. And you can't answer the phone in the middle of the middle of your shift down there at the plant. But, uh, yep. I mean, it's, it, it just it cracks me up that they're trying to save money, but they won't even answer the phone to let somebody come look at it or ask a question about it. Yeah. And then it sits on the market way, way longer. And then people wonder what's wrong with it. And yeah. Yep. That's exactly right. And that, and when I, years ago at Walmart, we had a guy that was a, CEO until he got fired for hookers and corporate plan abuse. Um, but he had a great, he had some like five great go-dos and one of them was take their money, make it. And that sounds awful. Take their money. You know, you greedy bastard. But it was just basically if people wanted to give you money, make it easy for them, you know, answer their questions, answer the phone, return an email, check them out, have people at the front end. And it, it's just, it's so, I don't know if people realize sometimes how big that tidal wave is when you first stick out that sign yeah people start calling you and agents you know to a certain extent we love fizzbos because we know we have things that we can say in some keywords to really open them up and you know shoot yourself in the foot whereas like the agent's (laughs) gonna kind of act as that intermediary be like no we don't you know we're gonna play these cards kind of close to the vest um, especially yeah, when it comes to negotiating and things like that. Um, well, because they're too close to it. it. They have an emotional investment in it. Yeah, very much so. And that it, it's hard. And I, you know, I sold some properties by myself before I got into real estate. And when you have an emotional attachment, it's hard to make effective decisions sometimes mm-hmm. because you're invested and going back to the pricing strategy piece, you know, we've all had those clients that after you show them 20 comps of just like their property and say it's going to sell for 300 and they're like, no, my God, I know my house. You know, we, we've got, you know, we've got these pea stains in the bedroom from our perfect dog. This house is worth 380 just because <laughs> our dog sleeps here or whatever. What, you know, whatever it is. And you're like, oh, are you the professional here? Um, mm-hmm. I, I tell you a fun one on that. Uh, a friend of mine called me once and he said, Hey, my dad needs to sell his house. He's going to downsize. He's getting too old to take care of it. And I went out there and met him and we walked it like I do during a listing presentation. And we looked at every flaw in the house that you could see walked it four foot by four foot garage basement, you know, all around. And he not, he probably hadn't done any maintenance on this house in the 30 years that he lived there. And it had some some pretty big opportunities. And we got done, and I sat down at the kitchen table with them, and I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. And 
we're going to list this house at $260,000. And I thought he was going to pick me up and throw me out of the house at that point. <laughs> and he got, he got mad. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry. I was like, do you want to list it for more? I'm trying to, you know, be realistic here. And he's like, there's no way in hell my house is going to sell for that much. Why do you think that? And he thought I was an idiot, I think. Like, it, oh. like he really started questioning my credibility because I told him it was 260. <laughs> and shout out to Debo and Jay. I love y'all both. Um, and I asked old Debo, I said, man, you know, what do you think it should be? sell for and he said man this house isn't worth more than two hundred thousand dollars okay wow. so usually i'm trying to <laughs> tell people to lower their price their expectations uh-huh. um for the last two months notwithstanding and it's like man when's the last time you really priced anything and he's like well when i bought this house oh cool so like 30 years ago all right oh. i said i said man i know you need a lot of work and i know that back deck's about to fall off into the into the ocean or whatever but i said this house is 260 all day long um we listed whatever you want to but 260 is where we need to be and he was mm-hmm. so skeptical and negative you know the funny thing about that um we we put it on the market at 260 and got a california buyer the next day that offered us 289 right off the bat for it <laughs> Hell yeah. And that scared the hell out of him, too. He's like, there's no way it's going to appraise for 289 <laughs> Oh, it's not going to happen. So, you know, he needed, when we got the home inspection back, he needed about $4,000 worth of work done on it, which didn't surprise me, but I thought that was a pretty good price because it needed a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. But, you know, I had, we have those connections. We know the go-to vendors. We know the people that get stuff done. Mm-hmm. So I called a contractor. He came out. He did all of that stuff, fixed it in like a day and a half um, for about four grand. And he was able to pay that out of proceeds at closing. So he didn't have to come awesome. out of pocket on the front end. And, mm-hmm. you know, he would not have had those connections or gotten that price if his son had not been, you know, we'll say smart enough. It makes me sound arrogant, maybe, to call me and say, hey, can you come take a look at this and help my dad out? Sure. He would have, he would have left a lot of money on that closing table. Yeah. If somebody had done one of those letters that we all get five or six times a week in the mail, mm-hmm. we buy houses or one of those sure. cash offer deals, you know, that somebody, if somebody came in there and offered him 200, he'd, he'd been like, heck yeah. And thought he got yeah. a great deal on it. So can you don't always need a realtor, but I'm going to pay three pennies on the dollar to, have somebody watching my back and providing me with some good guidance and expertise there. Mm-hmm. I tell you, and I'm sorry if I'm talking too much. I mean, I know it's my podcast. It's, it's in your me. nature. It is, man, isn't it? <laughs> um, I'll tell you another fun story that uh, I, I picked up a client from another client. And we got to the very first showing and he said, man, I'm glad you're not late. Cause if you're late, I was about to fire your ass. I was like, cool. It's <laughs> like that. Expectations are set. Very good. And that's a guy. That's the thing guys. Realtors struggle with that. On time realtors usually 15 minutes late. I can say that. Um, I've seen it happen. <laughs> but so when we finally found the house to make an offer on, this is a house between Murfreesboro and Smyrna. I think the listing price originally was 320. They dropped it down to three, and it still sat on the market. 
Now, here's where a good agent comes in handy. I called the listing agent, and I usually like to talk to them for about five minutes or so before we even start talking about the house. I want to, hey, how's your day going? What are you doing? Oh, you're out on the lake. That sounds terrible. I hate the water, but good for you. Um, and, and just start building that, that bond and that connection. And by talking to her, she starts talking about how the sellers have got to move. They're closing on this other house. There's some firm deadlines in place. They're starting to get a little nervous. And what does that do? I start taking dollar signs off that 300 mm -hmm. right there. I'm like, they need to go. Okay, cool. And this is a VA loan. I think my people needed maybe about eight grand in closing. Um, and based off that conversation, I went back to my buyers and I said, okay, I think we can get this for 280. And the guy, bless his heart, he's a he's in the he's a car dealer, so mm -hmm. very similar. And people always love to compare realtors to used car dealers, anyway. Because you know, yeah, <laughs> we're all scum of the earth in their eyes, just just making money off of you know people's misfortune or whatever. So okay. this guy's car dealer, yeah, he tells me, okay, so you say two eighty, we're gonna offer two seventy. Mm -hmm. I said, all right, man. I don't know if you heard anything I said here. But let's go back through the, you know, through this. And here's why I think it should be 280. I said, why do you think it should be 270? And he said, well, you know, my mama told me that whatever the realtor says I should offer, I should go 10 grand under that. Oh, God. I said, man, is your mama a realtor? No, no, <laughs> no. Um, of course not. No. Um, I said, why would she suggest that? He's like, because y'all get paid on commission. So you want us to pay more for the property so you get more money. Oh. That I mean, that's the that's the perception that we have as a profession in the industry, and that's what we've got to educate people about. And I laughed. I said, man, okay, $10,000. So let's say this is a 3% deal. So that's like 300 bucks. I was like, man, do I really want to gas you up and get you to overpay for something so I can make an extra $300. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, man, and I... on, on the off chance that, because again, because people are emotional beings and their houses are tied emotionally to them. Do you really want to risk the ire of that seller to get 10 grand off of a price that's already reduced a whole lot? Just just because, just because of the fun of it. Yeah, which I think ten grand would probably equate to maybe fifteen twenty dollars a month, if that, on your yeah. mortgage payment. But it yeah. was that was that was his reasoning for that. I was like, dude, I tell you, if I'm <laughs> ever, if three hundred dollars is like life or death, make a difference money for me on a deal, I was like, I'm in the wrong business. I, mm -hmm. I can't, you know, I. 300 bucks, man, is look, like, dude, let me write you a check for $300 to show you how little $300 means to me in the grand scheme of doing the right thing and, and getting taken mm -hmm. care of here. So long story short, we wrote it for 280 and we got it and they paid closing and my buyers got a check back at closing for like 700 bucks, I think. There you go. Yeah. Pretty awesome stuff there. But man, we got we got a lot a lot to educate people on. So, you know. So, speaking to that little that bit about how 
yeah, obviously we do work on commissions. So yes, we want to get our clients a good deal. But again, at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, well, I can't speak for all agents, but I know you and I are this way. We're trying to get our client the house that makes the most sense for them and that they're going to be the happiest in. So on that, I know several times my client will come to me and they'll say, okay, this is my budget. This is what I'm pre-approved for. We start looking at houses. I'm not going to not send a house to them because it's under their budget. Like that's the craziest, shittiest thing I've ever heard of. I've like even a hundred thousand dollars under their budget. I don't care what it is. If I see a house that looks like it's going to work for my client, I know they're going to love it. It ticks all of the boxes. I'm going to send it to them. It doesn't matter if it's at the top of their budget or their budget or 200 grand under it. That's exactly right. I closed one last week. My clients had a budget up to about 500 and we, most of the stuff we looked at was between 460 and a little over five, but I found him one for 404. And I said, we need to go look at this. And I think this is going to tick y'all's boxes. And that was the one that, you know, that that's the one that we closed on. And they, they did it, you know, they told me between 450 and five. But when I saw that one at four, I'm like, man, they, you know, they need to go look at it. I think this is probably Mm -hmm. the one they should buy. So doing that 80 grand, I mean, what are we looking at there? I don't know, a couple grand in commission, maybe something like that. And who, who cares? You know, yeah. the important thing is getting getting it done, getting the business, and hopefully creating a relationship where they'll, I would rather take less money and you send me more business than mm-hmm. worry about trying to, how am I going to milk every nickel out of a client? Right. It's about building trust. Too. Mm-hmm. How many times have we taken money out of our pocket to get a deal done? <laughs> <laughs> Matt's Matt's <laughs> Melissa in the corner. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I know you've done it too, you know, where mm-hmm. the appraisal comes up short or you gotta pay for some repairs, or mm-hmm. you know, I, my my friend Shane and Sarah, you know, I paid for them to live in their new house for a month because their first contract fell apart. And they'd already moved and they were stressing out about having to get a moving truck and move back into their old house and all this. And I was like, no, you're not. You're paying me to solve your problems. And mm-hmm. the problem is you're going to stay there. We're going to pay them, I don't know, $75 a day or something occupancy. Um, and I'm going to cover it. Yeah. So, you know, I paid 1600 bucks out of pocket so they wouldn't have to move back into their house. And they turn around and move back into that house again. <laughs> and and that you know you can do that like you know I'm for three percent commission or whatever i've got that cushion where i can do that if exactly. it was a flat rate you know you know if you go to a flat rate company it's like you're you know a thousand dollars they don't have that kind of coin to solve mm-hmm. problems and you no. can spend your way out of a lot of problems mm-hmm. and that's well that's and just, I, mm-hmm. i'm sorry yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to say with those flat rate commission companies, the thing is, is again, to make a decent living doing that, they have to take on so many, um, so many deals at a time and they don't have the time. They don't have the, the coin. They don't have the resources to put in or the care 
yeah. I'm not going to say what I would usually say. They don't have the care to put into something to make sure that something moves seamlessly because who cares? Whatever. If this one falls apart, it's all right. I've got 10 others lined up that yeah. I'll just yeah, they're, they're with. dealing with 20 clients at a time that they're having to, you know, mm-hmm. and it, I think it's the Walmart versus Publix approach or, you know, Nordstrom's versus uh, Goodies. Walmart. <laughs> yeah. You you get what you pay for and sure. you, you pick a you pick a price point and a service level that you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And another one that we can talk about here is the buyers that don't use an agent and just have the listing agent write up the contract. Ooh, let's. Yeah. I don't need an agent because they're they're gonna write it up for me. So I'll let mm-hmm. you freestyle on that for a minute here. Oh, well, I think to a lot of people, that sounds like a great idea, right? Like, oh, if I use this listing agent that I met at this open house and they told me, oh, I'll just take care of you. I don't need my own representation. Um, The thing is, is they can't legally take you on. Their fiduciary duty is not to you. It's to their client. And so they're going to be acting in their client's best interest. If a problem comes up and it's going to be better for their client, it's going to screw you over. Guess who they're going to end up helping? They're going to end up helping their client because you are not their main priority. And so a lot of times, you know, if something better comes along, they can make more money. Their client's going to make more money. Guess what? Your deal's going to fall apart. You're out the door and the next one moves in. And I don't know. There's there's just a lot that goes along with that that I think that you really do need your representation. You need to be represented. You do. And I, I, I've seen situations where people say they got a better deal by not having an agent or the listing agent would say, hey, you know what? Um, if, you're, if we're not going to have to pay your, uh, your agent 3%, we can get you mm-hmm. a better deal on the house. I guarantee you two things on that. One, if they're willing to do that, I'm probably able to get you a better deal than that even, and then still pay me 3%. Mm-hmm. And two, the way a listing agreement works, that commission is paid, whether it's split between two agents or it's split between one agent. And I've never yep. really seen a situation where you adjust the price because you're paying less commission. That, you know, no, that doesn't happen. Listing, <laughs> Yeah, what happens if you don't have an agent? That other agent gets all of it. Uh-huh. So they've already got a contract in place for that and a plan for where that money's going. So to me, that's a little disingenuous at best. Um, and, I, and you know, you're talking about fiduciary roles and whatnot. Your client is the one you're legally bound to represent, and the one you're not is the customer. You can't lie, cheat, steal to a customer. Um, but you don't sure don't disclose certain things like no. bottom price. You know, what's their best price? Can't tell you that, Jack, because then you're mm-hmm. not doing your client right. So you, right. you write me an offer and I'll take it to them. But I'm not going to give away the our negotiating power here just to sell this. Right. So, And the way I, that's the best way I've heard that described, I think, was Rick Ruby from the core who owns Summit Funding. He talks about how it's like you're trying to coach two basketball teams that are playing against each other <laughs> or two football teams. And I'll use football because I'm probably better at 
I'm bad at all sports analogies, but you know, if you're coaching both football teams and you say, hey, they're lined up in a, a 4-3 defense, they're going to come down here and blitz the quarterback, so we're going to do this. And then you go to the other team and say, okay, I told them that we're going to do the 4-3, so what we're actually going to do is the prevent because they're <laughs> going to drop back, you know, whatever. You know, you can't mm-hmm. coach both sides and be effective. Right. And be a facilitator, but that's another story and another podcast topic probably. Yeah. What is a facilitator? What do you get up So I don't know if we've convinced anybody the value of a real estate agent. I hope we have. Um, they're they're handy when you need them. <laughs> I mean, kind of like a firearm. Better to have it and not need it than need it. That's what they say. Well, that's so. definitely one way to look at it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, well, I walked away from my notes. Anything else you want to talk about today? Um, 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 I don't think so. Great, 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 great. Well, I tell you what, thank you so much for being my first guest on the Durham Difference. You want to tell anybody how to get a hold of you if for some reason they'd rather have you sell their house than me? Well, I'm clearly more pleasant and less chatty than you are. So, yes, if (laughs) there's anybody out there who would like um, a a lady's touch that also curses like a sailor, but not on Jameson's podcast, please give me a shout. (laughs) My name, again, is Raquel Atruso. I also work with Blackwell Realty. And you could reach me at 615-557-2343. Thanks, Jameson. Did you get it all in there? Okay, yeah, I, I got it all in there. No, Are you not no, listening? No, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> now, and if you want to get a hold of me, guys, again, my name is Jamison Durham. I'm the managing broker for Blackwell Realty in Nashville. We have offices in Lebanon and Carthage. I'll go anywhere in the mid-state area and would love to help you answer questions. Do whatever it takes to get your property sold and make it a fun, pleasant experience, just like Raquel. Thank you so much. For more episodes of this podcast coming soon, please like, share, comment. Tell me if this sucked or not. Tell me if it was great. Tell me if we changed your mind. Whatever, <laughs> I'm here for you. Love to everybody. Let's go uh, play top golf. What do you say? All right. I like it. Bye, y'all.